All right, there will be bourbon returns for, I don't know, I think it's like episode 43 or something. So that's not really a testament to the, the audience, Sam. That's just a testament to me having nothing better to do on a Tuesday night. So here we are. All right, uh, so that end, I am talking to Sam Rogers, real Sam Rogers, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, and tonight we are going to talk about this wonderful gentleman and a lot of the stuff he's done along the way in his military career, but what he does to what he does now, which as I go over his, uh, his bio, this is one of my favorite things. He works for something that's called the primary, well, concerned vets for American in Wisconsin. And the primary mission is ending endless war. So that's a big thing. You've probably heard me rant about forever. Uh, so we're going to definitely get into that at some point, but before we do that, Sam, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And uh, as I cut you off so rudely uh, tonight, I will be drinking the Woody Creek Distillers Weeded Bourbon from Colorado, uh, age six years. So something new, something I just thought I'd give a try to. Not bad, but if, uh, if anyone follows the bourbon market, they know that the, the weeded versions of bourbon are the big dogs at the moment and the ones most sought after, primarily because of Buffalo Trace and the Weller line, but you know. Well, it's really Buffalo Trace and the Pappy line, and they've just figured out that Weller is nothing more than a younger version of it. Um, as I listen to a cat try to break down the door and attack me. But anyway, you, Sam, have tried unsuccessfully for many moons to get me to try what you call a white monster new fashion. Can you please tell the audience, the fledgling audience, what exactly that is? Yeah, so so I am also working on a, mix, a Michter's uh, sipper here, but... Um... So a new fashion is like a opposite of old fashion. Yeah. It's, it's like an old man for loco. Uh, so <laughs> I take, uh, so in this case, I'm rocking some, uh, a local brew central standard distillery from Milwaukee. Okay. Um, it's, uh, not, it's not bad. It's good for good mixer. Um, mm. so I put uh, Luxardo cherries in it. I do some like craft orange bitters, um, put some, some decent bourbon in there. And then I, I pour half a monster on top of it, white monster, which uh, sounds like an abomination. And uh, it, is, it is, but it's also uh, just fantastic. And now I can't stop. So. So he so he drinks bourbon with cherry Luxardo cherries and white monster. Say oh, that. Man, uh, what can I say? <laughs> but then again, he is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and his taste in beverages is about as highly uh acceptable <laughs> as his taste in nfl football teams so, oh my god he is a packers fan which is says very yeah i mean you have to be when you're born here or they make you move to lesser states to the south like um illinois you know? <laughs> i was waiting for it yeah. <laughs> right. you know i mean we'll always have the most hall of famers in the nfl so as a bear gotta have something gotta have something right uh so that's where we pick this up and start. Um, I, I want to go over Sam's bio real quick, because if you haven't picked up yet, he does have a decent sense of humor, uh, but he was born in the great state of Wisconsin. He is a Milwaukee, Wisconsin native. Uh, he joined the army in 2005 and you were in for eight years as a, an interrogator, human intelligence collector guy. Was that 35 Mike? Is that what that was? Yeah, started out 97 Echo and then 35 Mike. That's right. Okay. And you went to Afghanistan twice. Uh, looks like you and I overlapped in 2013. So we'll try and get into that maybe, see where you were yeah. and see if we uh, experienced the same dining facility fineness. Uh, and then, so you went to, what is SVA? Spell that for me. 
uh, student veterans of America. Uh, okay. so that was, um, while I was in college, uh, gotcha. after I rage quit the army, um, and tried college out for about a year. Okay. And then, uh, so previous to that, you were a civilian contractor, intelligence officer, also in Afghanistan again. Uh, we overlapped again, but I wasn't in Afghanistan in 2015. So get your take on that because that kind of, I think we've even discussed this on the zooms, but yeah, I think this will be interesting. And so then you went on to start concerned vets for America and Wisconsin from 2019, to present primary mission, as I said, previously revolves around ending endless war. Big proponent of that. Love it. Yeah. Uh, VA and, reforms. And I, I didn't, I didn't start it though. I, um, okay. it's a national org. Um, Got it. They, uh, they, they created a position for me in Wisconsin. Um, so they could hire me on after I graduated. And then I, I took the organization over shortly after. Oh, cool. All right. So he didn't start it, but he is uh, steering it nonetheless. And then also part of the primary mission is federal spending reform. Secondary missions revolve around veteran business vets in CJR, which is criminal justice reform. Oh, got it. Good deal. And immigration reform. And then a tertiary, which for those of you who don't know what tertiary means, it means another effect, basically third effect, third order effect, supporting veteran community nonprofits. That's big in the uh, military planning process. You got to have primary, secondary and tertiary effects. Good deal. All right. So anyway, that's where we are. Anyway, you just go right to the Roshan and call and call back to the talk, man. You skip all those other ones. Exactly. And uh, hopefully my phone still works because I got a few of them I never turned in. But whatever. <laughs> I, mean, somebody, I didn't sign for them. They just gave them to me. So. <laughs> but anyway, so that's it. And then also, this is very big. This should be on everyone's bio. If you don't have it, he has three kids. He has one dog and he is a proud Navy spouse. I thought you were going to say proud Navy <laughs> wife. You didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to. Uh, offend uh offend anybody and it's uh it's very complicated these days but i'm proud Navy, proud navy wife is my is in my twitter bio i think still uh I, I get a little bit i probably get some hate mail about it i don't know every couple of weeks somebody somebody dms me about it but i you know my wife uh when she was at boot camp she joined late um <laughs> boot uh yeah yeah or boot yeah uh she jo she joined at 30 she was a middle school teacher when we met nice. and uh she had originally wanted to go to um, Annapolis out of high school and her parents talked her out of it. And so, um, she, she ends up with me, uh, every barbecue, it's all these crusty army and Marine Corps Navy guys coming over, um, you know, uh, telling stories and stuff. And she was really starting to get to like the, a couple times a week, she'd be like, I really wish I would have tried it. And, you know, you, you've met some of the old timers who, you know, they're like going on 80 and they're like, I really wish I would have tried at some point. So I was like, man, just shut up and do it. Mm. um because i don't want to listen to this for the next half century so uh you know and she's like ah, oh, you know she's like i'm a middle school special ed teacher i can't i can't join the military i'm like dude that's pretty much what i was as a staff sergeant in the army dude i was just <laughs> just i was just dragging around a bunch of people with intellectual disabilities trying to keep from killing themselves man i mean you're pretty much you're good to go and uh and i was right of course so she's been she's been flying she picked up uh picked up six which is petty officer one i'm sorry we picked up six. That's right. You, which that's is right. petty officer one. Her rank is your uh, rank. Like, Remember that. In like three years. So she's she's killing it, man. Oh, good for her. Well, so before we get into that, remember, let's back up. Look, look, no matter what you say, half of the people are offended by default. All right. That's where we start on social media. And then we kind of go from one side to the other. Half automatically <laughs> right. offended, half automatically support, think it's the greatest thing ever. And then you just kind of chip away at each side. All right. So there we are. All right. So what made you join the army, man? 2005, things were a little hot and heavy going on there. Surge stuff was kicking off. Uh, it was yeah, getting serious in Iraq. So what uh, what brought you to become a fine American and join this damn army? Yeah, I, um, uh, September 11th. Uh, yep. You know, I woke up um, like 
10 minutes late for school. So I decided to skip the whole day. And uh, I poured a big, big bowl of uh, whatever the knockoff Fruity Pebbles were. I forget now. So and not white mon- you didn't have a white monster new fashion back then? No, no, no. It was, it was too, too young. Just uh, working on my dad's crown stash. The, uh, so I, you turn on the TV, uh, you know, right as the uh, second plane um, came in and hit the building. A lot of us did. And man. it was right around that second plane because no one really took the first plane serious. We're like, mm. yeah, maybe not. I mean, and I just, I, you know, like I said, I just been at home by myself. So yeah. I didn't, um, uh, yeah, so that, that was it. And, you know, for, for a long time, and I must have been a freshman or sophomore in high school, but um, I really was like, I wanted to be a, uh, like an air marshal. Cause I was like, I want to be the guy who can like pull the trigger and keep this from happening. Yeah. Um, and so I spent a really long time calling all of these, like, uh, cause we had a computer, we had internet. And, and so I'd call these random, like f- federal agencies and be like, how do I do this job? You know? And they're like, are you a child? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And they would just like hang up on me. And eventually I got this lady who was like, well, you know, most of our air marshals are retired feds. They're like, you know, former military guys but most of the time they have a degree yeah and i i was like i really don't want to go to college um and uh but she said you know if you if you pick a, a job if you do like a, we have a lot of guys from military jobs who are like counterintelligence guys and stuff like that who can who come right across and she said that might be a good avenue if you don't want to go to college anyway just random lady is that like some like fbi field office i'd called just like talk me through it and so now I was like, all right, I'm gonna do the army. I'm gonna do some Intel thing. And, um, that's, I graduated at 17 and my mom would not sign the age waiver. So right. I did a, I did a semester of, uh, I did a semester of like, uh, of like art school and, um, yeah, then I joined to Fort Benning, then, uh, Fort Huachuca, uh, for, for AIT got there as the, the Abu G scandal was popping off Oh shit! and they, they shut down the shut down the Gator School for a while, and there's a huge backlog. So did you go to Monterey at all? I was curious. No, man. No, I got. To, I did. I never never went. Yeah, I was wondering. So how does who goes to Monterey? Because I I've been there twice, and every time I walk through, I'm always like, because it looks like it's there's like little AIT portion because there's drill sergeants and they're marching little privates and you know every right. barracks is like its own language so hub. i know signal signal guys go there the okay. front half of the of the interrogator surge went there okay um originally you had to go there to be a gator uh they waived it after after they were like just had such a huge shortage of of um 97 echoes so uh yeah all right so there you go and uh you, you finished watching how long was your training that's a long ass AIT, um, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it took forever to get into, man. Like actually, uh, I actually got detailed out to like the Jag, like the Jag thing for a little while. And then, um, I dodged like a rock painting detail for that went on for some time. And I, I ended up, uh, I was assigned to the MWR range. So I just got to shoot a bunch. Um, and it was also like right after the AWB expired. So I could just like order AR 15 components from their like Davidson's dealer account, uh, from the MWRs like all day, just like buying gun parts and, you know, teaching people how to like shoot safely or whatever. It, w- it wasn't a bad gig for like a Joe. Um, That's so, so I, I finished and left. I ended up at Fort Lewis, um, uh, 2ID in uh, 20, what, seven, 2007. Yeah. 
Damn, we were almost at Lewis. Well, you were at Lewis, I assume, in 2009? Oh, yeah, all the way to 13, man. I was assigned, oh, I was assigned yeah. there most of the time, although I spent a lot of time away training and doing other stuff. But Well, we so they used to do LDAC there at Fort Lewis. And, uh, you know, we were drill sergeants at Fort Benning at the time in 2009. And we had a cycle break for six weeks, so they sent us out to Fort Lewis to be op four for the cadets doing their little – Oh, Warrior Forge, man. Yeah, yeah. Yes, dude. I, I, got, uh, I got sent there as a punishment uh, to be like a lane safety. Uh, I, I, had, I had pissed somebody off, yeah. And then I got sent back to my unit for bullying cadets. So it was like a, it was a pretty short turnaround. That was pretty much what me and my buddy did. Like, So we were up for, and my buddy, uh, he took competition with these cadet squads way too seriously. Like we were a two man team running like a command post that they were supposed to assault, assault, you know, look for intelligence, eliminate us and all this stuff. And my buddy's like, no, nah, I'm gonna make this really fucking hard for him. And we were doing like trip wires and we would write signs that said bomb and hide them under rock. We, like we were doing way, we were, do, we were getting a little extra, but it was good. And then like he would freak out and be legitimately pissed off when he would shoot cadets and ambush them from the side or something and they wouldn't die and they'd start shooting back at him and he'd get really pissed off because the, you know, God, what's the, the, who's the dude that follows him? That's like great. Oh, see. Yeah. So he'd be like, Oh, you're dead now. Get down. He's like, no, he's like, Oh, fuck that. I killed like three of them. And like, bro. <laughs> he was so like sweaty tryhards and paintball dude. I know no he fun. took it so serious, but it was funny. Cause like, it was weird where we were at. Uh, we were down kind of like in this little on the bottom of a Ridge and he would go up. And we would shoot a few blanks up in the air when we could hear them coming. Cause they all come down the same cadet trails and it'd be funny. Cause we'd shoot like a few blanks when we hear them and they would just start yelling and start, start shooting at it. Nothing as we would walk down the Ridge and wait for them to come. Like it was great. It was a good six weeks. I bring that up because you were at Fort Lewis and you were there. You remember those big ant mounds? Yes, I do. Yeah. We, we paid one of our buddies like 10 bucks to jump head first into one. That was a bad idea. Apparently they're protected, but I didn't, whatever. I mean, everything's yeah, protected anything. over there. Everything's protected <laughs> over there. It's true. Like, like if you like if you literally poured chemicals into the woods, they'd be like, "Stop! You can't decontaminate that because now it's protected." Like, <laughs> that doesn't fucking make any sense. Yeah, I got a great picture of me as Op Four eating a cheeseburger, shooting at cadets with an M16, <laughs> and my shirt off. It's great. It's somewhere on there. Classic. Yeah, I'll post that and tag you in it later. Um, but anyway, so that was Fort Lewis. Fort Lewis is great. I enjoyed Fort Lewis. I think. I don't know if you did. You were stationed there. I was there six weeks. It's a little different. And I was in the summer, so I didn't have to deal with shitty weather. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the rain, um, the rain definitely got old, like, you know, 50 degree drizzle running around in blue shorts or whatever every morning, which just like gets old super quick. But yeah, I mean, it was beautiful, beautiful area. There's great hiking. Um, you know, I used to take like my kayak out on the sound and like stick my dog in it and then take him like a little sandbar and just like watch that guy murder gooey ducks um which, are you familiar with gooey ducks yeah i saw one of those weird oh dude it's heinous shows. bro it's heinous and it's like even it's even more weird watching a dog kill one but you just had such a good time i didn't have the heart to like take it away from him and then you like got a it's got a taste for it you know so <laughs> yeah it's a weird creature the gooey ducks <laughs> there's no nature's there's no good nature, way to even describe it, it it's nature's shell penis is what it is the shell penis so all right and your dog likes to have them yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, he's a fan of, well, I mean, of violently taking their lives or whatever. <laughs> I wonder what set him off. I wonder, like, what if it was just like the, the scent of the sight. I wonder what it was that would just set your dog off. Yeah, I got to eliminate as many of these 
nature penises as well. Right. So, so you had on gooey ducks. So the first, <laughs> so, all right. So your first deployment to Afghanistan was then 2009. Yep. So, okay. yeah. So that was the, the 2009 surge to, so you were coming uh, into like multicam error. You were transitioning. Right? Um, that, yeah. So that was a, that was an ACU tour. Ooh, I bet that was um, wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's big. It I mean, we well. had like the, like the gen one, sh- like combat shirts just disintegrated. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I was like, I would say probably half the time, maybe more like, you know, I had like, uh, clothing, uh, grooming standards chit. So it wasn't like, it was easier for me probably than everybody else. But, you know, like when I was rolling around with like, uh, 200 infantry and, uh, like, Argonaut River Valley, that was all uniform and stuff like that, ripping crotches and doing the doing the Mowgli rap with the undershirts. <laughs> so, all right. So your first tour, um, how'd it go? Was everything, was it, was it kind of what you expected since you waited a while, I guess, to get over since, you know. Yeah, like yeah, man. Years. I mean, I honestly, I almost got out uh, before that. Uh, yeah. We, Fifth Striker Brigade was a new stand-up unit. It was supposed to be the Army's, like, rotational, like, next-gen equipment tester. Yeah. So they weren't slated to deploy. Um, and and my my first contract was running up. Um, and my first sergeant had um, – it was, it was a great unit. Like, we had all the right people in all the right places to the point where I was, uh, I was convinced that the Army was just perfect and amazing. And, it you know, is. my first sergeant was a group guy, so, like – you know, when I'm like, a, you know, it was like very competitive. So, um, like I got to go to all these cool guys schools. It's like an E4 because like I was outperforming like the, like the staffs and sergeant first classes who would show up and he just like, didn't give a fuck about rank. So he would, he'd be like, no, high performers go to cool guy schools. Um, uh, it was just, it was As really it great, be. man. I, yeah. Dude, it was, it was so good. Um, and so I, I got to do a bunch of really cool stuff. I got to do so like a lot of FBI mission support um in 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 different states um he definitely found really awesome ways to keep us engaged and and growing and training um and then he he got a bunch of folks like uh orders to go to africom and then uh the the obama surge was signed and we found out we were going and he was like well you know you want to i'm like yeah no i'm going with the unit bro um uh so you know it was um it was a it was a really hard tour Certainly. Like it was, it was definitely all of the best things that I thought, like, um, uh, the army and like war and, uh, and, and all that would be, but it was also like, you know, all the, all the really terrible stuff that you don't really think about, I guess, on the front end, uh, or maybe you just think about abstractly. So, you know, we had, uh, yeah, 42 guys killed, uh, about 350 some odd, like casualty, like multi GS or you just talking about while you were in country. Yeah. Yeah. For that, for that year. So we, oh, we had an entire yeah, okay. battalion that was, um, Damn. that ended up uh, being like combat, um, ineffective. I think they lost like, like 20 some strikers. Uh, it was, I think they, I think it's, I think our brigade sustained the most casualties of any unit in the, in that conflict so far. What part were you guys in? Like what part of the country? Uh, Kanda- so it was like Kandahar, Argonaut River Valley. Okay. Um, I spent RC the West second area. I spent like maybe the last, like probably last 60% of my tour on the, on the border. Okay. Like Boldax. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was wondering, like, I was curious um, where the hell but, they were uh, running so, all the yeah, strikers. So like, sorry, Argandab. Yeah. Crazy man. Damn. Yeah. So it was, um, essentially we were, our BCT was like ripping out with like all the Canadian and Brits and uh, all okay. those other yeah, folks. Yeah. 
who had been kind of holding that stuff down for the last, you know, like five years. Um, and I, they ended up replacing every single one of our battalions with a full BCT from like 82nd. And uh, so, it, you know, yeah, yeah, it was a shitty year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was very interesting, man, because at that point, you know, the Taliban had really like I mean, they had rebuilt to like a functional army with like its own like bureaucracy and like re- like legitimate logistics systems and yeah um so you know it was uh it was it was definitely something wild to take a a, a cherry light mech unit into right and you know the argandab river valley right is where like every like major army from the last like from like history has been stopped yeah. right <clears throat> yep. you know the the mongols were stopped there alexander the great was stopped there um you know uh the russians i think it's like there's like five thousand russian vehicles were like destroyed in the in the crossroads that's fucking um, crazy that's it's really crazy so it's definitely not the place you want to roll like two like infantry you know infantry battalions with strikers into um but i mean it was you know i relative to relative to my unit man you know I'm, i don't know i maybe spent like a week and a half in like actual fighting right but mm. so a lot of those guys were there for like months and months until they had just sustained enough casualties that they got yeah. rolled back or plus up. it's fucking crazy man like it really is to think about how sustained that is it's like well it's day one and then it's like well here we are now three months later six months later nine months you know it's just right. i don't th- it's just too much of this is lost on the average person man because most people just don't know it you know you can sit here and tell me your stories and i can I can at least conceptualize the area because I've seen it or been to it or whatever. Or right. I've heard some of the stuff, but I, I just think like these stories, man, most people have no concept of what the American soldiers done for the last going on 20 years, literally 20 years at this point. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so like just today, for an example, I spoke to a dude who's all, he's all, just down to join kid 17. The dude was born like the middle of 2003. So, so, you know, it's just weird to just see our guys bringing people in now that they they weren't even alive during 9-11, right? The triggering event for us. Uh, And then they weren't alive for the start of the last major ground force war that we've had. You know what I mean? So it's just we have completely transitioned into a new era. And I kind of go back and think about it like when you and I were coming in, because I came in in 02. And I just think like I remember seeing dudes who were in Desert Storm and like, damn, but that's even sooner in terms of the, the time from people yep. coming in now. Like we're talking 20 years and this, you know, Desert Storm was like eight or nine from when I came in. You know what I mean? So longest war in history, right? In our history. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, to th- we, and we I guess World War II five times. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. Like World War II five times, basically four times, essentially. But then you consider like the scope and the significance of the objective comparatively to campaigns like that. You know, you just, I don't know, man, it's, you know, the, the Afghanistan, well, I don't, I don't know if you want to kick into, kick into wonk talk yet. Um, No, do it because I I already know where I'm going next. So, so, I mean, the invasion of Afghanistan, right. Was, was righteous and supported by the entirety of the American people and our representatives. Um, You know, the, we gave, uh, the Taliban government the ability, the option and ability to give us Bin Laden and they and the Al Qaeda supporters who orchestrated this attack and they refused. 
Um, and so the Congress passed 2001 AUMF, right? Uh, which, which is a whole big thing that, that I work on now, man. It's, and it's, it's kind of how I found my way to this organization. But, um, I mean, this thing was, and I rec, I, anybody watching this, please Google the 2001 AOMF and read it. I guarantee you can read it. It's less than a third of a page and it's, you know, it's written in the past tense and it's essentially, pardon me, outlines a punitive campaign, AKA a geopolitical spanking, um, that, you know, that, that the American people wanted to hand out to these clowns for killing all of our, our people and our first responders, right. Destroying one of our, uh, one of our great cities. So, um, no, hold on, not to cut you off. Cause I like to do this for those that don't know the acronyms and stuff. So real quick. So the, the, uh, the AUMF. So what he's saying is the 2001 authorization for use of military force. That's what he's talking about. All right, Sam carry on. Yep. Way to go. Yeah. No, Wait, take a sip. Go ahead. Re- go ahead and hydrate with that new fashion. I get it. You got to, Oh my goodness. It's so good. If I mail you a white monster, will you try it? <laughs> yeah. If it survives the journey. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Absolutely. First one's free. That's right, how it works, right? Free. Sweet. Send um, the cherries for sure. Cause that's the real prize. Dude, hey, so just, you know, man, I get the restaurant size cans off of uh, Amazon cause they're cheap. And then I can them in uh, like oh, mason legit. jars from like a uh, grocery store. And they last for like three years on the uh, in, in jars and it costs like maybe 20% of what you would cost to get the thing retail. There you go. You get life hacks on there will be bourbon. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate that. You're welcome, brother. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the 2001 AUMF, um, is this, and I guess, let me, uh, let me flip back to my second tour, my second unit, which wasn't, uh, an Intel unit that I affectionately refer to as Pogod issue. Um, it was, it was just awful. Where were you I mean, at? Cause this is where I was, like I said, we overlap. So I was just curious. Yeah. So this was at the BFSB, okay. which is, which was like the intermediate trash left over from destroying MI brigades. Um, and I mean, there, dude, there were, I, we, I, and I'm, I'm talking a bunch of shit cause it was my least favorite of, you know, of two units or whatever, but I, I, I had some, I did have some great commanders. I had a great first sergeant there for a while. Um, I had great soldiers, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty good, but you know, it was a, it's a typical, um, you know, Pogue unit where they probably spent, they probably spent three times as much time and energy trying to pretend to be what they thought an infantry unit was as it would have taken to just do battle drills and like, actually just like practice basic soldier skills. Yeah, so it was a very frustrating experience. You got that, like the basic warrior task and drills, you got your mission essential task list. Just do those things. That's it. That's all you got to do. You don't it's do not hard, else. man. It's already written for you. Um, <laughs> I got like, I, you know, my first like month there, dude, I got like a negative counseling statement for doing like a gear shakeout and like, uh, and some like rubber duck time, man. And uh, I, so, I mean, anyway, uh, I ended up getting guilted into staying on because they ended up with an Afghanistan deployment. They had like two non-coms in the entire battalion who had actually like done their job in an actual combat zone. And uh, my first sergeant, who I still love to this day, uh, was like, come on, man, you're going to let you're going to let one of these other clowns take your Joes to war. You just gonna like hope they bring them out like, oh, <laughs> the old gut punch. Oh. <laughs> All right. So whatever, man. So I, so I, I did the I did the tour, um, you know, and and it was it was also the, the place where I started seeing a lot more of like the like the army's bureaucracy and the defense department nato's kind of 
State Department, like all these organizations spending a lot more time really competing with each other than like. Uh, which was what, uh, which is with, what I thought like 9-11 was supposed to solve, right? It was supposed to bring about actual crosstalk and, you know, remove the competition. Yes, each right. Other so, the- I mean, like, you know, the DNI, the DNI certainly was supposed to do that. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, man. So I, I was a little disenfranchised. Um, I, I had, I had lost my, uh, my re-up slot to, uh, to 10th group. And so I was just like, you know what, man, I'm gonna go see what's happening in Wisconsin. I think I need to take a break. Um, uh, so I got out, I had moved back to Wisconsin and, uh, ended up in college. Um, <laughs> how'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> I like still, I, I still remember, uh, like I sent, I sent all these people at it's a state it was a state school i sell these people like my paperwork all this stuff way ahead of time um you know like six months in advance when i was projected to start i you know done, done everything done all the the, the the gi bill stuff everything was great and uh, i'm like driving down to arizona from wisconsin just like my, my grandma's dying of cancer and i get a call and they're just like they're like hey uh you're you're scheduled for the wrong like initial like testing to get it you know like for like your math and english levels Clep stuff, clep. Yeah, right. Uh, so they're like, you know, you're just scheduled for the wrong one. You scheduled new college student, and you're in, you're in like an alternative student because you're old. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, well, cool. Well, when do I take the other one? And they're like, well, we don't offer it anymore, <laughs> but you can take it in like three weeks. And I'm like, but that's like two weeks into the start of the semester. And they're like, yeah, but it's fine. Tons of people do that. And I was like, okay, well. Uh, can I still pick my classes? And they're like, no, you can't pick classes until you've done that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, so you want me to start classes two weeks late? And she's like, well, yeah, but everybody, tons of people do that. And I, and I, and I'm just like, I'm getting really heated. I'm like, I've been driving for like 25 hours. And um, <laughs> that's how serious. Like, what's the difference between? It's a very dude, I'm serious just like, what's the difference yeah. between the alternative student testing and the new student testing? And she's like, well, they're on different days. It's the same test. And I'm like, well, change it back. And she's like, well, I can't change it back. I've already changed it. And I'm like, is it fucking Skynet? Like, like, what are we like? Are you serious? Um, dude? And, and like, I was just like, I was like, oh my God, it's, it's a fucking terrible S shop all over again. Um, and then like, I, I drive back up there. Cause I'm like, I just have to fight with him in person, dude. Cause I'm, I'm a 26 year old staff sergeant, dude. I don't fucking do things at the last minute. So I submitted my paperwork six months in advance. Cause like, this is not how I live my life. And, and I'm like heated already. And then they, they were arguing with me about whether or not I had to pay for my student ID. And I was like, <laughs> dude, and, uh, this, and this is like total digression, bro. But I'm just like, no, I like they're it. like, this well, good. It, they're like, it do, they don't like, well, it doesn't say that you paid for it. And it's like seven bucks. Right. And I'm like, well, it's great. You're I'll just pay for it. She's like, well, it doesn't say you don't have to pay for it. And I'm like, just take, take my money, please. And give me the card so I can go do this next thing. And because uh, I'm still trying to like, they won't let me meet with the people to talk about the club thing until I have the ID. And, and, and I'm, she's just like, no, I'm sorry. I just, until it says if you have to pay or not, I can't give you an ID. And I'm just like, all right, well, where do I fix that? She's like, I don't know. And dude, she has on her desk, a certificate of 16 years of working in this department. And I was just like, you've been here for 16 years. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, where does everybody come from before they talk to you? And she's just like, I don't know. And I'm like, how the fuck can you not just like through osmosis learn perif- these peripheral functions, dude? Like, and I was like, oh, okay, I can't. I'm, I'm like, 
I'm like seeing red now. I'm like, you know what? I'll be back next semester. And I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that semesters are like fucking five months long. So then I was just sitting on ass for a while, um, cooling down, uh, being a drunk and working out a little bit. And um, so watch it, watch then I ended football. up in school all the time. Uh, <laughs> then, so then I ended up in school. My, the reason I came to this university is that they said that they accepted the joint service transcript, mm-hmm. which is your, it's like a federal transcript that you get from any training you've done. Uh, and I had done a bunch of like cool guy Intel schools and stuff. So I had like over a hundred something credits. So I'm thinking this is great, right? They, I'm, I'm going to maybe like do two years them, right? uh, of school here. Four, they give me four FIED credits. <laughs> and, and, and like, I, like I appealed it like three separate times. Dude, I'm like, first, what was your major? Years. I'm like, first off, dude, I'm fat. So like, I, you shouldn't even probably be giving me those, dude. Like, at least maybe take a PT test first. But second off, like, <laughs> like, you know, they, uh, they've had like intro to public speaking. Yeah. What did you and major I was in? Like, what I was really, your major? I'm really trying not to get like, do the uh, pre-law political science. Yeah. Cause I did political science and they gave me, I got a, well, I guess it just depends on the school. But that was my second attempt at school. Anyway, yeah. it's about you, not me. Go ahead. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude. So, so anyway, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to this professor, man, and she's in like they, they spend six months with 617 and a half year olds all trying to write a four minute speech for, for a semester. Like that's the task. It's causing me physical pain to be around these people. And I'm just like, hey, listen, I'm really trying not to get special treatment or anything here, but. I'm like, I was like a senior Intel dude. Can I, can I go teach a guest lecture at another, at like global studies security or something? Can I add some value here and, and get like a comp out of this class? And she's like, no, this is very important. I'm like, I know that's why I have 12 credits of advanced technical communication on my, on my JST. Uh, and she's like, no, you just, I can't do anything. I'm sorry. You have to take this. So I spent the semester uh, writing a speech about uh, torture and murder at CIA black site prisons uh, in in Iraq and Egypt, and I just traumatized my whole class. I was re- <laughs> it was really good. Uh, that that's me, man. And then uh, I rage quit school and went back to Afghanistan. I got a phone call asking if I wanted to come back and uh, serve my country. And and I would, you know at first I was like no, uh, but you know paid pretty well, so uh, uh, went back for a year and. Um, I was in Kabul that year for my third year, and see that's where I was. was good man, but it was okay. Did you go to NKC? That's where I was at, bro. Sweet, that's where I was at thirteen and fourteen. NKC in the same, hanging out in the basement, in the basement of the of that uh, that British like six story building or whatever it was. Yeah, it was great. I had my own room because I had my own room, and it connected the my my wing connected to the gym to where you technically didn't have to go outside all day that's except where I was, dude. Shut yeah up, bro. it was You're great right now so no the best part about it was i got there after two months i had this e8 that was my my roommate and he was he was pcs and he's like yeah i'm just gonna leave i'm like what do you mean he's like i'm not gonna turn my key or anything in that way you don't get a roommate I was like, sweet <laughs> so i didn't have a roommate dude, for seven months it was awesome that's funny um <laughs> yeah the mongolian army ran security there while I was yeah there. they did I the ecps who, yeah they, they used yeah. to do the ecps in it. they had that 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 fucking battle yurt and they just like went around graffiti and genghis khan on everything yeah well so but that was where I, i've told this story before that was the place where like i left my my ucf my university of central florida shirt in the bathroom and i caught one of the con- like the little tna <laughs> so walking around with it like three weeks later and he's like yeah i love the school i'm like so do i it's mine give me my fucking shirt you fucker yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> we did all kinds of really dumb shit because we were at a two we were at we were part of we were part of first tsc we were attached to them so we were at two-star level so we really got to do whatever we want as long as you could draw up the con app to support it like yeah. me and my my other nco we would just make a con op to fly to bagram for the day on the helicopter the daily little helicopters just so we could go to popeyes yeah we would do dumb dude i watched one of those hit a pizza and go down man uh one of the british ones really Oh, yeah, you know those, those those little British ones that like to fly like go karts sideways all the time. None of the hell. Like my first, so my experience in Afghanistan started off really poorly. <clears throat> let's just start. Let's just start when I got into Kuwait, right? So we're at Ali Asalim getting ready to take the C-17 up to fucking Bagram, and we're going down the runway, and we're just getting ready to take off. And you know how you're on a C-17, you're up against the wall, and then all of a sudden it was like. They slam on the brakes and we get out and they're like, oh, everybody off. We've got engine trouble. And I'm like, all right. And it's like, this was early June, I think. First week of June. So it's super fucking hot on the tarmac and Ali Asalim. Um, yep. That flight obviously gets canceled. We can't get another flight for another week. So another week in the transient barracks there on Ali Asalim, just hanging out at Green Beans and looking at the Air Force chilling all day. Finally get up to there, get to Bagram, and then we got to take that helicopter that you're describing from Bagram to NKC, which is like 15 minutes. No big deal. Right. But that was my honest, legitimate first time ever in my Army career on a helicopter. <laughs> and it was not a yeah. stable ride for 15 Just minutes. Legs it was hanging out the side, right? Dude, I... And we're flying so low. I'm just like, this is what is safe about this? Like, I'm looking at the huts down on the bottom on the hills. I'm looking at all these people looking up at us. I'm like, if anyone wants to just shoot me out of this, they 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 could. You know, this is not a very hard target. Yeah, say, is this a problem? In rough shape, yeah. Uh, but every helicopter, because I must have went on, I don't know, thirty or forty of them while we were there. I, that's all I did was do battlefield circulation. But it was always on those helicopters. I got to be on one Blackhawk where I finally felt safe one time. Because Blackhawks were only for people who clearly uh, are important, and I was not. So, <laughs> see, I, I'm, I'm a I'm a Chinook guy, man. I, I like because uh, I barely. I never been on a Chinook. All my shit on. Yeah, never so, been on one. But I was also terrified uh, of Chinooks awesome. because you remember uh, Operation Red Wings and all that stuff had just taken place fairly recently. Yes. Like I was scared of Chinooks. So I was like, man, that they seem to always have bad times. I don't want to be on. That's one. how I was about the Ospreys, man. I. Probably the only like the only cool mission I I that I like I was like no nah, man I'm definitely not going on that one my first tour at the end uh the uh task force is gonna hit this target and they're gonna refuel and, and it was a target I was working there like do you want to go and I'm like hell yeah I want to go and I <laughs> get all my crap on I run out to the to the uh air to the helipad dude and it's an osprey it's crash hawk dude I'm like dude there's no way I'm not doing it I got like two months left in country I'm surprised I lived this long bro I'm not getting on that I'm not getting on that death yeah. machine man. <clears throat> Well, so before I tell the sad part, but anyway, so I remember my first night getting into NKC and yeah, you know, the Mongolian dudes were doing the ECPs, but you had the ANA doing the tower guards, you know, those 12 yeah. towers around the compound. And I was like, man, I'm, a, I'm feeling good. I'm gonna go out for a run. And so, you know, I go out for my first run and I didn't realize Are you sure that you're not an officer, dude. That's, that's an officer <laughs> move, bro. That's big S6 energy right there, dog. Yeah. <laughs> So I go on my first run and I hit the first tower and I'm like, you know, seeing these A&A dudes with AKs and I'm like, maybe it's just that tower and I get to the second one. I'm like, oh shit. And then I just remember running around that because com- it was only like two thirds of a mile around the compound, yeah. like a little L, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I only felt safe at one point in time. And it was just that little back end section right before, like, I think it was ECP two that went out to the, um, the embassy side where it was like yep. the dogs were kept. I think. They right. might have, yeah. So I was like, all right, this is cool. These guys seem like Americans. So I feel comfortable here. But every time I'd run by one of those towers, like I swear I felt eyes on me. I'm like, I'm gonna get shot in the fucking back. That's because they're looking at you. It's, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get shot. They're, they're Someone's gonna shoot guys, me. They're just bored. But anyway, so here's a great thing we did that year as well. So we ran on NKC, the Marine Corps Marathon in conjunction with them doing it back home. Oh, that's cool. It was cool, but we had to postpone it for two weeks because of security risk, right? So we end up running it uh, and I got the medal. I got the Marine Corps, the actual Marine Corps Marathon medal. They shipped us all that stuff because the guy who ran it was like a, a Navy lieutenant or something. Cap, I don't right. know. But he, ran, he, he actually organized it. I got cool pictures of it. But here was what's funny about that because you already know it was two thirds of a mile around. Dude, it was 38 laps or 39. It's not stupid. And I they would the- blow a horn like every hour for us oh. to change directions and go back. It was what? like 30 degrees. It was fucking super windy. I was like, what am I doing? And I did all that. The only reason I did it was because I, could, I was told I could have the day off. Right. <laughs> I did the, uh, you know, you know, the Dane Con March. You ever do one of those? Uh-uh. uh-uh. So it's, I, dude, I don't remember if it's like 50. I don't remember how far. I think it's like 50 miles or something. Oh, no. Um, but they I, did one because we had, we had a Danish contingent at NKC. So we did one and I was like, it was like all these dudes in uniform, all these Mongolians. And then just like me wearing like a bright blue track suit or something like that with my, with my, like, uh, with my huge ruck on. And, uh, it, I don't know, it, was, it like took a long time, bro. These, this little hard ass Mongolian dudes, man, they were like, you know, and they're like hand-me-down boots, bro, with their AKs and stuff would just like, they ran this whole thing. And I'm just like, nah, man, that's for the birds, dude. It really that's is too far. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I, I got, like I said, just because of the level we were at and being able to go over to the G3 and be like, hey, I got this Kana real quick. Can I just go over to Kaya? <laughs> Kaya, right? We would go yep. down the street to Kaya because they had all the international soldiers and food and restaurants. The Turks. They, yeah. I just remember the Czech army, the Czech women. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, we would go down there like once a week for the fucking just to go to a restaurant there because we only had that little pizza shop. I don't know if they turned it into something different by the time you showed up, but all we had on NKC was that little pizza place. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, but but Kaya had all kinds of good food, so we would yes, make up con ops to go there. Um, <laughs> we did a lot Classic. of dumb shit, man. Yeah, did a lot of dumb shit. All right, so real quick before I, I come up with the other story, I gotta I gotta look up a detail on it before I don't want to say it wrong. All right, so you went back in 2015, 2016. You were a contractor. You're at NKC. Yeah. So what were you primarily? Were you with Mr. B- no, Budigeg over. He overlapped me as well. The whole Pete Budigeg. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I was, <laughs> no, I wasn't a driver. I was uh, – <laughs> uh, I, I did drive sometimes for our team. So, yeah, I was on an uh, 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 intel detachment up there um, uh, doing that stuff for, for, uh, for a year. Uh, I was supposed to be, like, up to a three-year three year tour um and you know i it was also man it was weird because i was at this like higher level now right we're like our org was like um you know work for the j2 and you know i guess this this like this like big vision this master plan this grand strategy that like sergeant me and then staff sergeant me was like yeah that's probably up there somewhere that's just out of my like bubble you know i I, I kind of like saw firsthand that that thing did not exist. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had a close, had a close call on a mission. Uh, was was kind of like talking it over with some folks, and uh, at, asked a, a, a general officer, general officer, pretty directly. He's like, "Well, are you gonna stick around?" And I was like, "I was like, dude, can I ask you a super, like, a super specific question?" And he's like, "Sure." And I'm like, "What is it exactly that we are doing here? <laughs> like, precisely, <laughs> what is it we're doing here?" Dude, my guy was like, "Well, you know, supporting governance, fighting Islamic State." fighting Taliban, fighting Connie. Cool. Cool. Um, but mostly just protecting each other and spinning our wheels until the American people decide we've had enough. And I was like, Whoa. that's pretty, I, that's pretty blunt. I'll be honest, man. I, I think, you know, in the, could I, in, a, in the, like, if I could do it all over again, I, I should have just got out for my first tour and done reserves or something like that. Um, you know, I think, I think both of my follow on tours, or some kind of quest for something in between like redemption or revenge. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, a bunch of buddies killed my first trip. Um, and I think, but that my, that third tour was also my first one with kids. Um, and, and, you know, and I, there was a situation where I, I think I, I, I aired for de-escalation, whereas I think in, in previous tours, I probably would have, you know, uh, uh, gone hot or whatever. And so I don't know, man, the cowboy math really changes, right? Like once you have some yeah. kids and I've talked to a bunch of guys since, um, who, who have all said the same thing, um, that it's, you know, um, uh, that, you know, a lot of guys have changed, uh, change gigs and stuff like that. And, um, so I was like, I just can't do this anymore. You know, I talked to my wife and, uh, I, we had a newborn, my oldest daughter. Um, and, and I was like, I just can't, I, I can't do this. I got to come home. Uh, so I came back. Um, but I, I think I was still dealing with a lot of guilt. Right. Cause like, uh, well, a just survivor, get survivor's guilt's a bitch in, in general. Um, B, you know, like as a, I mean, I'm a pogue, right. But like, as like a, you know, tactical slash strategic asset, like, you know, my job is literally to be like an invisible first line. You know, I'm supposed to disrupt enemy networks, logistics, um, uh, you know, ID like major ambushes and, you know, large scale operations mm-hmm. before they have an opportunity to, you know, essentially, you know, light up these, you know, 17 year old E2 infantry dudes with a mouthful of dip in a guard shack, yeah. right? <laughs> And so it's kind of, dude, it's kind of hard to walk away from that and, and not feel like I was like abandoning some, like, some like serious responsibility. And so I'm like, come back. And I'm like, I guess better, better finish college. And so I also realized that, uh, my university had almost 1800, I think student vets that go in there at the time, which is like the largest group in the surrounding, like eight States. Right. All trying to figure out if they have to pay for their ID card or not. Dude, and, and you know what, man? And so I was like, man, you know what? I bet, I bet, I bet this school is ripping all these people off in their credits too. And, and, and everybody like me is just either leaving or just taking it on the chin. Mm. And so um, I was like, that's, I'm going to fight. I'm going to figure this shit out and fight and fight it. And so I spent, you know, a bunch of time, um, you know, driving back and forth to driving to DC and back on the weekend, dry, uh, flying to DC. I would go to the Capitol, just like, trying to figure out where the failure points were in these policies. And, 
I ended up uh, eventually getting a law passed in Wisconsin that forced the university to, to give 100% of those credits. So it was oh, like 40,000 credit hours at, at our university yeah, alone. Look at you, Big Sam Rogers. Right, and like, you know, it was rewarding and all this other stuff. And uh, and then really how I ended up at, at CVA, I, I had been um, using my my SVA chapter. We had been supporting CVA's fight to uh, for the VA Mission Act, right, to increase access to community options for healthcare to, for veterans. We've been supporting a lot of the work that they were doing. And 2018, I was at the United Nations. Um, this, uh, they had this like program through our, our, our state university. Um, uh, it, it was super interesting, man. Like, I ended up the, the Afghan uh, ambassador ended up like uh, inviting me to come to the security council for the Afghanistan war debate. And Shit. just like, like I just watched, I watched like all these other countries like talking over or past like Afghanistan's representative who was like, we have serious problems with like lack of trained medical personnel and infant mortality rate is, is skyrocketing and all this other stuff, dude. And then like, you know, somebody from this Euro country's like, we're going to build you a hydroelectric dam. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. I mean, I mean, like they've blown that thing up like two times. We don't even have anybody who can, who can Fix run it. it. Yeah, we don't yeah, even have functioning schools. Anything, like, yeah. He's like, That's he's like, man. these kids are dying, man. Like we have like poor sanitation. We have like all this problem. And they're just like, yeah, but that hydro dam is going to be dope though. And, <laughs> and, you know, and like, and then man, right at, right at the end of that, right as I, like I was leaving there um, I went home I went, I went back to like the, the the place I was staying during this program and found out that uh, my my protege from my second unit was killed in Somalia um, with third group and and that was <clears throat> that was like uh, I don't know man really really floored me um, because I think I had like convinced myself that the war was at a lull, right? That like yeah. most of the guys I knew were out. So they're out of harm's way. I didn't have to sweat it anymore. Um, and so it really kind of took me back. And then we went like did the funeral stuff, all those things. Um, and I went back to pre-law and like we're doing constitutional law and I'm studying the AUMF. And I, you know, I'm like doing this research, man. And I find that like, okay, in 2018, this third of a page document that the American people issued to send the army and Marine Corps and uh, all these folks to Afghanistan was essentially the justification document for my, my, my dude being there, being in, in the middle of Africa in, in 2018. Right. And so, you know, like, so there's no one to hold accountable for that really. And I, and I'm, and, and I'm, this is not even to say that, that, that investing people in infrastructure and, and doing all this stuff in Africa is, is legitimate or not, right? That's, that's not really my, my position right. here. <clears throat> my position is that I think after, after Iraq, where 85% of the people who voted to invade Iraq were thrown out of office, right? Congress stopped wanting to do one of really, there are only three responsibilities, man. Um, you've got the war powers, mm -hmm. you've got the power to legislate, the power of the purse. Well, the purse has been empty for like 30 years. Uh, they, you know, the, who, the majority leader is the only person legislating. Right? By Dogecoin. By Dogecoin. To the moon. Um, 
And, uh, and yeah, so, and, and like, you know, they just, they don't, they don't want to do that because there's an accountability piece that's built into this war powers act, which is that, uh, there, it, everyone has to take a by name vote, right? Are we willing, are we willing to let our best and brightest, our sons and daughters, our sisters and brothers, our high school friends, are we, are we willing to let these people bleed for something for, for this thing, whatever this thing is, right? Yeah. And the problem with the AUMF and, and pretty much every administration up, you know, in, on the short handful of things that were great about the previous administration, right? And it's, and it's a whatever, however you feel about it. Right. Um, you know, it's the previous two administrations to his, I mean, they reimagined this document over and over and over again to include like 42 different countries. And the problem with that is, it essentially became this green light for the defense department to and state department and all these other agencies to mission creep their way into, you know, blank checks and sweet Oconus, sweet Oconus funds. And uh, without ever having the ability to hold someone accountable for the regular people, like for, for voters, members of the public, for, you know, gold star moms and dads. Um, there's never been a discussion about like, okay, is this place in our national interest? Is this place, is this, is this thing in our natural, in our nat- uh, national interest? And without that, when we've, ha- when we've, we as a, as a nation and military force have suffered and performed poorly every time there hasn't been that public and rigorous debate and discussion. Right. Um, you know, world war one, world war two, man, like one of the indisputable reasons we performed so well that we, right. We got to sweep through and, 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 and clench the V there. Um, I mean, like we didn't get involved until it was the absolute last fucking option. We got yeah. dragged into the second one. Right. Mm. Um, and if we had not, if we had just like allowed, you know, a combination of like, you know, pro military think tanks and, uh, and, you know, revolving door between, uh, you know, industries and uh, in the Pentagon and, and the White House to just like decide, oh, man, this this war looks big and dope. Let's uh, let's jump in on the front end, man. Let's invest early. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows how that would have looked? Right. Yeah. And and so I the the or the, the position our organization takes and one of the reasons I think that it has been so successful in moving the, the public um, the public position meter on this. Right is that we're not anti-war. We're certainly not anti-military. Right. Um, I'm, I'm certainly neither of those things. Yeah, it's not about that. It's not about that, man. It's just, it's just about um, making sure that uh, we are checking all of the right blocks that were built into the front end of the system that are the reason the system has survived so long, right? Um, and, I, and I think, I mean, you can look at this a whole lot of ways. You know, we, we approach this from a, uh, a fiscal perspective, a national security perspective. We approach it from a constitutional perspective that I discussed a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a moral, in a moral um, uh, perspective, right? You know, this is an issue that people across all political ideologies support. Our polling, our, our polling that we just got in this year is like it's like another ten percent, ten percent upward movement in like public polling. Like everybody agrees, it's time to leave Afghanistan but our leaders don't want to take their responsibility back from the executive branch. 
right? So, well, let me let me stop you there because let let I want to go back because you said something that was true, right? You know, initially it was it was just it was the right thing to do. We went into Afghanistan a few months after or a few weeks after 9/11. What has happened to where, in your opinion, based on the interactions you've had at Congress, because you've you've gone and, and done this, you've lobbied, I assume, for your your organization. Oh, yeah. What's the problem? I mean, I know you're saying people don't want to take, put their name, but that that to me seems like a really fucking poor excuse. That seems like a total cop out. Well, it's it's a poor excuse for people who have skin in the game, right? Yeah. It's like because it's it's something that we would we would I mean, we we have we have accepted the idea at some point that we're willing to die for this. Right. And 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 these are people who what they're willing to sacrifice fundraising time for is questionable, right? Like I and that there's a there's a there's a there's a much I think larger conversation about all the whys that Congress has broken, um, uh, but 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 this I think speaks to the root of the problem that we continuously reelect people who play it safe, spit rhetoric. I mean, you know, it was crazy to me, I, and I was not politically engaged while I was in because mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you experienced this. The most political people in the army are always the motherfuckers not doing any work, and they've always got they've always got some excuse. So because Obama, because Bush, because whatever, dude, I'm like tired of it, and so I just I avoided it uh, largely while I was in. Um, but but I I think I think part of the problem, and I, and a lot of guys that I meet, we're a volunteer led organization, right? So everything that we've accomplished comes from sharing the stories and insights of veterans with legislators to try to move them on an issue or the public, right? To try to raise public awareness and therefore public pressure on, um, on elected officials to make decisions and make change. Um, but there's just, there's no reason for them to address this because right now, right now with an AUMF that has essentially been largely unchallenged as to encompassing all of planet earth forever, mm-hmm. despite being about Afghanistan and written in the past tense, Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're just perfectly happy with letting it be. But, um, but you know, my my question is, again, you you brought it up, like whatever you thought about the previous administration, we didn't we didn't get into anything new, essentially, right? We didn't we didn't start first time anything. in forty some years, man. Yeah, right. Like nothing new started. Um, yep. But why was I, my issue? I have a real. Like, I don't get it because look, you, I did political science. I was like, I majored in it. I thought certain powers are, I thought certain things are possible. Right. Cause Obama went in on this. He campaigned on it. We were going to end it. Trump went in. He wasn't incorrect. Right. I know. But so, so how, how have two polar opposite presidents, how have those two individuals who were in charge like the the buck stops here, right? How were those two polar opposite individuals unable to end an unpopular? This is not. It's not like this is like a popular war. How were but two presidents dude, a lot of unable still to don't end know it? About it, I dude. We we so will like run. We will run like phone banks on this stuff where we call. We'll call district. We'll call through districts, you know, of uh, and and ask people to call their representatives 
um, uh, to, to lean on them about these issues, man. And, and I, I've had people, I mean, I've had people say like, uh, I don't think we have anybody there anymore. You know, we, um, it's the I'm worst pretty sure president secret. Obama ended that. <laughs> like that's, no, I mean, look, he didn't. well, but here's the problem too, right? The, the military community is shrinking rapidly. It, uh, 79%, maybe it was 80%, um, of new enlistees come from military families, mm. which is the highest in history. That's crazy. Right. It's crazy. And so the people bearing this burden, the, the sphere of, of families bearing this burden is getting smaller and smaller every year, which means it's harder and harder for your average American, right? Like dealing with their first world problems or whatever to connect with yeah. this uh, because it just doesn't touch them. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't impact them. I mean, it, no, you're right. See it's how it impacts true. them, right? It's, it's been, you know, several trillion dollars. There's been three million life-changing disabilities from this conflict alone. Um, you know, the, this, the, the amount of money that the Defense Department spends, despite having serious readiness, readiness issues. I mean, the Reserves and National Guard have covered uh, up to like yeah. 40% of these combat tours. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you look, you look at where we have real adversaries, man. And this, this is like a thing I'll that I'll, this is a thing that I'll say when I'm talking to like your more hawkish people who are just like, nah, I'm pretty sure being in some kind of war is good um, all the time. <laughs> and uh, I'll, you know, I'll be like, well, I'm like, listen, man, like we do have technically a, uh, I don't want to say near peer because I know it's the buzziest of buzz buzzwords or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know where you're going kill. with it though. You're right. Right. So we have this like adversary out there. And right now, we're putting all of our resources into Afghanistan. Like we're literally paying in blood and pe treasure to secure the backyard of a bunch of our adversaries who otherwise would have to pay to fix it themselves. And instead we're sitting there so they can shoot at us and take cheap dubs uh, because we're in their backyard. Right. Uh, you know, I'm talking about Iran. I'm talking about the, uh, the like whatever percentage of the Pakistan government that that doesn't like our military and is opposed to us. I'm talking about China who touches Afghanistan. People don't know that or think about it. Um, uh, I, you yeah. know, <laughs> right. So, so like we're, we're doing all this work for them. Meanwhile, you know, what was it like 2017, 2018, you know, the Navy crashed like $70 billion worth of ships in the South China Sea, the past, probably the most important sea lane we've got because they just, they couldn't find enough, you know, like Joe's or boots or whatever to like, you know, like stand on the, on the deck and watch for ships. Um, like the defense department has some serious priority issues that this, this conflict. And, you know, we use the, the hashtag ending endless wars which is, you know, it's, 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 like it's it. rhetorical, but, but um, it's a distraction. And so you have all these services and agencies competing over the resources that this conflict provides them and they ignore these things that they should be doing. How did we get to that? That's my thing though, man. Like I thought we'd learned this fucking thing from Vietnam and we didn't, but how did we get back to a point where it's like, no one wants to just end something and focus on something that's real. Like I don't you like, know uh, before you go, because uh, yeah. but so to go back to my tour 2013 2014 where we overlapped, we went into Operation Drumbeat, which was all about getting rolling stock 
for those that don't know, I've said this multiple times on this show, but roll, rolling stock is anything with fucking wheels on it out of Afghanistan. Like we're leaving. We're going home. That was eight years ago. So, so man, just one more pivot, one more surge, oh, one God, more. That's what I don't. I, that's so. That's what I'm wondering. Forces. Yeah. So, on a given, in what? Because you're just probably one organization of multiple. I'm assuming that's doing, or at least trying to do something similar. But we're what, the only people who are taking a. I think we're the only organization taking a nuanced approach to this, right? Like. Most of the anti-war movement is anti-military and anti-war. Um, and, and, and so we're really the only people taking like a truly nonpartisan, um, not anti-war, not anti-military. Take, we try to take these nuanced perspectives on this thing. And I think it's why we've been successful. But again, you know, it's, it's a volunteer-led organization. It requires people to show up and participate um, or at least phone in and help out. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, man, whether it's between COVID or political exhaustion, right? Because, um, you know, these, these have been some, uh, some pretty, like, uh, some pretty high-strung years, um, you know, whether necessary or unnecessary, you know, last, you know, last, oh, man, 15 years. I mean, I, I remember, I remember, like, feeling like the political hysteria was essentially starting in, like, 2003, and I just feel like it's been running people emotionally and psychologically into the ground because they're like still on this outrage train well i mean um, what what's fueled the outrage train right the cable news and social media as it's grown yeah right grown well it's, i mean it's you know it's so yeah it's an industry right i mean look at yeah. people talk about record-breaking political spending what is what is political spending predominantly spent on advertising where <laughs> networks and social media <laughs> imagine that yeah imagine that yeah can't imagine why those guys would want to light political fires on literally every topic yeah, i mean every like, subject like ever. we, we always had cnn but like uh, uh, most people probably don't realize that fox and c or fox and msnbc were started the exact same year That's in true. 19 i believe it was 1997 yeah you know i mean so yeah that's kind of where we're at man um but i still don't understand why it's not why not more people just don't come together and realize that hey a there is this stuff still going on in afghanistan right uh, we still have a, a continuing presence in fucking iraq whether people realize that or not that's still happening right. um and then all the other like syria syria was supposed to be a oh that's going to take a few months it's going on syria years. yemen yeah, like um, yeah, well you said for, what 41 yeah, yeah. countries fall under this this authorization for use of military right, force like, right. that's a, that's so, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a reticence and I don't know if it's, it's like the footballization of politics, but the number one thing that nobody who cares about politics will do that nobody will do is challenge their own political folks. Right. But people don't realize like, like, like whatever your personal political persuasion is, man, right. you attacking the other team is meaningless, essentially. Right. It like it literally does nothing. It's fun. It's fun to roast them. Yeah. Yeah. Point out where they're dumb when they got <laughs> yeah. the foot in their mouth. Right. But like it does nothing. Right. You putting pressure on your team has has leads to meaningful change because they depend on you to stay there. And that's the only thing they care about staying there. And so what we try to do, like I, I got I got guys who volunteer for me who are like Bernie bros. I got guys who are like in the cruise mafia, 
and like you know like and that's how I, it should be but i direct them to put pressure on their own people because that's that's where change comes from but right. that's an alien concept for a lot of people they don't it shouldn't be well, you know i've been saying this shit for fucking years now and i'm like look man we got 330, 340 million people in this country. You can't just put everybody on one side of the room and say, hey, this is it. We need more right. than just Republicans and Democrats in this country. We just do. We need more viable parties. We need people to stop pretending there are other like I go back to 2016. Bernie Sanders is not a fucking socialist or he's not a Democrat. Trump's right. not a Republican, but they're forced to run for that, right? That's the that, that's where they're forced to put America their America clearly wanted a third party president, bro. Right. And they got it. And they didn't like the way the yeah. dude conducted himself in public, which I totally understand as well. But you know what? At the end of the day, you need to have alternatives to the status quo that you've described. Because if you're gonna have people who legitimately buy into an issue, ending all these endless wars, mm-hmm. then you need to give them some sort of leadership. It can't just be a, a you know. I respect totally exactly what you're doing as the group, but someone needs to take that and run with it and start trying to invect or, or or in like they have to affect change at the actual legislative level. They've got to get into Congress. They've got to, you know, but well, the problem with Congress though, is that because Congress is so broken because so much power has been consolidated in the, in the majority leadership that essentially if you're not, if you're not the majority leader of, of the upper or lower house you essentially have zero you have zero power to affect legislative change right or you have um, to just be you have to be outlandish you have to develop a name look what true. aoc's we we can yeah we, right. can just, you, oh, but, we don't but have to like aoc's bro, politics but everyone she's created power for herself she's taken it from her party and created it for sure, herself. She she still voted for Nancy Pelosi and she No, I got like, that. I'm just saying but but how does someone her. who yeah. just enters into Congress create power for themselves, right? They have to do something yeah. like her. It it's yeah. been done. But I most people I think like go to people. Congress and they're 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 perfectly content on being there. Right. And not actually doing anything. Yeah, well they it's Just all think the about how many members the of the Congress and Senate that you can actually name. Now, maybe you can name more because you're involved in this, but think right. most people just know the talking heads, right? The, fa- yep. the five to 10 from each house who want to be known. And there's all those people behind the scenes who are just happy to show up and do their vote. And maybe some of yeah, them are great people, right? Maybe some of them are great people, great legislators, but they're not doing anything as you described when 85% have been voted out. All right, well, what the fuck are you 85% doing? Why are you allowing this to continue? Well, they're gone. So th- that's the thing is that they're gone. And so now, so now, man, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been disheartening in my, in, in, I guess on the, on the left, right. Because we saw, we saw this, 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 this massive coalition of people, you know, who attacked, um, attacked president, former president Bush over Iraq, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, fall silent for, for uh, eight years, right yeah. uh, about the you know expansion of uh, of of this these conflicts, and then and then and then they be they became uh, during the, the former president um, like they were vocal about like so the House Democrats took a vote took a vote that was I think unsuccessful well it failed in the Senate but they took a vote to end the 2001 AUMF but they also like knew it was going to fail because we because Republicans had the Senate. Uh, and there, I just think there's there's a lot of that stuff that's performative. Um, oh, I totally. personally think there's a guy, there's a guy I'm really excited about, Pete Meyer in Michigan. 
Um, he's a Iraq Afghan vet, I think. Joe um, Kent in Washington State District Three, getting ready to run. Just so you know, I'm a, I'm a big Joe Kent Joe Kent fan. Obviously, he, he worked with our network uh, to to highlight some of these some of these issues. He's been a great a great spokesman for um for this kind of thing. But you know, the a lot of the GWAT vets who rolled into Congress have been disappointing, man. Um, and and I'm I'm hoping that I'm hoping that like guys our age. Yeah. Um, who start to go in, not because it's the next logical career after, a, you right. know, after a, after an officer, after you hit officer retirement, right. Because it's not the next step, but like guys who legitimately want to see change and who care more about the outcomes of this country and our, and the constitution, right. Than any particular party. Well, they, they um, just stick to that. They, they can't try to be all things to, to all people, man. Just fucking go in. The, if, you know, everyone hates the fact, oh, I'm not a single issue voter. No one cares. If you're going to go to Congress, right? If that's what you're going to go to Congress for, then just dedicate your time to that. And if after two years it didn't work and someone votes you out, hey, okay, you're not supposed to go there hoping that you're going to be the next Nancy Pelosi or the Joe Biden. Right. Whoever right. It's, it's never people. supposed to be a yeah, career. It's not supposed to it's be a career. Right. Right. And that's why I would it's love, like, I would love term limits to be a thing. And I respect any oh yeah. politician from whatever side who introduces it. I know it's always going to fail, but stick with it because right. it should be term limits. It should not be your fucking job, man. It's supposed to right. look how the state legislature is treated. You are paid like it's a part-time job. If that, like, right. that's what it should be. Ours is, ours is full-time, but you're correct. Right. But I mean, like, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, I just come from like, the state of Florida. If you are a state legislator, look, you need to find something else because that's not going to pay the bills as a state legislator. I love that. Right? So I'm just saying it, it should have never been incentivized to where people want to constantly stay there. Right. Do your time, man. If it's if 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 the president has term limits, I don't understand how the rest don't. I mean, <laughs> not that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Two terms for senators, four terms for con for Congress members. I'm cool with that. Twelve years. Look, we don't need you there that much longer, or even that long, probably. And everyone's always like, "Well, what about continuity? What if you have a good member? Great, dude. What about the if next only guy? We, if only we had this this near perfectly written document that <laughs> was built on a on a on a after a rigorous study of every successful and failed government in history, written by a bunch of guys who are like. What's we're like, we're going to invent a government that's designed to protect people. Uh, it's designed to empower people uh, and limit its own power. Like what was that? The just follow that. Was that the Magna Carta? Like that though. Was, was it Magna Carta? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, Rosetta, it's Rosetta Stone, right? I don't know. Rosetta. Yeah. Um, oh shit. The, oh, the, the, the U S constitution. Oh, cool. Dude, which I just love, man. I, you know, <laughs> I think that's like, so the big thing with our organization, right? Like, and one of the things I love about it, man, is that, is that I'm like, I'm, I'm empowered to do, to work with, you know, it's that Frederick Douglass work with anyone to do good, no one to do bad. Mm. Um, you know, we're not like party slaves. So like I, I did, a, I had a brief run in the GOP uh, when I was like getting engaged in some of this policy stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I quickly found that like, you know, political parties exist to protect incumbency only. And I was like, but wait a minute, shouldn't we be bullying our politicians? And they're like, no, that's awful. And I'm like, yeah, no, I like your, I like your approach. I'm like, we're the only people they listen to. Why wouldn't we bully these people? Like we, they're fucked up, man. We should fix them. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. We just got to get them reelected. And I'm like, but then they're still broken out. 
Yeah. And, and I admittedly, I was lucky. The place I ended up moving in Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee. To great state assembly rep, great, uh, great state senator, uh, ama- you know, an am- amazing uh, congressman. Sorry, all these funny stories about man, but um, I, I'm gonna tell you another college story because it's cooler than basic training stories, I guess. I don't know. Nothing so, cooler than Firewatch stories, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I got uh, they they can't believe they wrote Vagistol on my sick call slip, bro. Um, <laughs> the uh, so I get a I get an email and then a phone call from this like uh, graduate student union. And I'm an undergrad kid. I'm working at the Veterans Center at the time, uh, you know, helping new vets, you know, try to like figure stuff out. And, um, and they're like, hey, we heard uh, we heard you guys do we heard you you did you do a bunch of like uh, lobbying and like advocacy stuff. And I was like, yeah, I guess a little bit, man. I'm like figuring it out. And they're like, all right, we're going to go protest in Madison. Do you want to come? And I was like, well, what are we uh, what, what are you protesting? And uh, this was before I was politically engaged, right? And they're like, and they're like, well, we're gonna. So in the Higher Education Reauthorization Act at the time, there was a proposal to tax student tuition remittance, which would which would essentially burn. I mean, universities have you know they run a really funky game with like with like foreign students and grad school students where they essentially don't pay them, but they give them free tuition. And they do the job of, of, of profess, tenured professors who are not doing their job. And so, and that, that's a whole a separate broken thing, right? But, but anyway, so, but taxing that is like insult to injury, right? And, is, and not only that, but the Wisconsin GI Bill is tuition, is tuition remittance. And so I'm like, all right, this is going to also fuck a bunch of uh, student vets, right? Um, Guard and reserve folks. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a serious issue. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I, I feel like that's a in Washington D.C. Like this is a national government policy, though. I, why are you guys protesting in Madison, dude? They're like, well, Madison's closer. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, nobody fucking even works there who touches this. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. Let me. I'm like, I'll I'll try to be helpful here. I'm you know I'm, I'm like still Staff Sergeant Rogers, right? I'm like, oh, let, let me let me find you the right place to solve this problem. I'm like. <laughs> tell me uh, what uh, senators and congressmen or women have you already reached out to? Cause then I'll, maybe I could follow up with whoever's left. And they're like, dude, we haven't talked to anybody. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right. So dude, I go through and I email all these Democrats. Right. Cause I'm like, I'm like, this is their thing. This is college. This is affordability. This is access. Yeah. And dude, like none of these people will call me back. Like uh, I'm getting like this, you know, your, the senators like has no position on this issue. And I'm like, how the fuck is she not have a no? How how the fuck is she have no position on this issue? That seems crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute, I just moved to this new district. I have a new congressman. And I sent this guy an email. He's he's super, he's like statewide renowned for just being like one of the hardest working, strange guys. He's just awesome. I love him to death. But I sent this guy an email, and like 20 minutes later, my phone rings. And uh He's like, hey, you know, it's Congressman Grossman. He's, uh, and I told this, I told the story. I, I think I told the story in a town hall I did with him on uh, on VA stuff. And uh, you know, he's as Congressman Grossman. He asked me to explain the issue. He's like, all right, I'll um, I'm gonna get into convert. I'll get on the convergence committee and I'll make sure to pull that language out uh, when the bill goes to uh, convergence to get to get passed. And I'm like, it can't be that easy. And I'm like, you know, I, <laughs> I so I like send him an email follow up. I'm like, this is what we talked about. This is what you said you're gonna do. And he just sends me like a yup reply and uh 
<laughs> and then he did it though. And so I, I reach out to these graduate students and I'm like, hey, check this out. This congressman, Grothman, um, he's, uh, he's like fixing it. Uh, that's crazy. And they're like, is that dude a Republican? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's crazy, huh? They're like, yeah, we're going to go protest in Madison anyway. <laughs> then they did man and that was also kind of my like exposure early on to this like it's outrage all it's zero all forward yeah. movement it's all pom culture man whatever yeah it doesn't matter. always mad yep. always screaming but like but never actually like addressing these problems that often are like you know are are correctable through mm-hmm. like just contact dude just <laughs> right just fucking talk to people man like have conversations <laughs> right you know like like do like a tiny amount we have the internet bro do a tiny amount of research and you can find the process place where you need to insert yourself to yeah. to adjust this thing so i i try to i try to go back to the university a lot i I'll put on like a lobbying like lobbying classes for their like student government and i try to like teach cool, people man. how to problem yeah. solve that's awesome um but yeah it's just it's just fascinating and and i think so many people are like addicted to that like there's outrage. like some social clout that comes from outrage, bro. On yeah. both sides of the spectrum. No, it is and, both sides. Absolutely. None of it's none of it's positive and none no, of it fixes none of it's productive. Um, but that's what I've said. Like, and that it's not going to end until people start legitimately creating alternatives. I bring this up or all the do, time, or just do the work. Get together and do the work. It, it, that no one wants to do work, bro. That's too hard. Um, <laughs> look. But I don't know if you took these classes because you did poli sci as well. But uh, did you ever do like politics of the European Union or anything like that along those lines? Oh yeah, like comparative government. Oh yeah. Well, so like look at the the parliament in in the UK. Like they literally have, or even France is another great example. Every two years, they've got parties who come up with something, create a name, a platform, and run. Sometimes they get elected. Sometimes they don't. What they do? France also never gets anything done, dude. They just like turn and burn their constitution every like. I know, but look at Le Pen. Years. I remember reading about Marie Le Pen, and I was like, her dad, I think, was a super far right wing dude, uh, either before her, um, and then she kind of carried on his party, and it was just like, yeah, this party's never going to go anywhere. And now, because they stick with it or they've rebranded, and it's just an example of come up with good ideas and then you got to figure out how to appeal to people, right? Whether it's changing the name, whatever it is, but you give people options and alternatives. Eventually, if you stick around or you stick to it, it'll garner attention, but we don't do any of that in this country. We don't take any of our alternative parties seriously. You know, everyone will every now and then, Oh yeah. Vote for Jurgensen or whatever the fucking libertarian, like, but no one takes those people serious. I saw two signs. Yeah. Well, Hey, look, I ain't going to lie. My first, political presidential election i could vote for in 2000 you know who i voted for this was this was bush gore 2000 and i was a florida voter i voted for ralph nader what up yeah so that's where i was 2016 2016 was my first the first time i voted bro really i I know it sounds great it seems crazy but like i mean that was the first um, election i voted for a republican so there's that yeah, I just, um, I just didn't. <laughs> Actually, no. I didn't second, like I'm it, sorry. dude. And, and again, like I said, I, the political guys I met while I was in, uh, especially in the intel community, dude, they're just, they were just like the most awful people who never did anything. And I was just like, <laughs> so I just avoided. I didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And I like just kind of told myself, like, I'm going to focus on, like, my job, my duty. It's like selfless service, right? And 
Um, and, and if I want to, if I want to participate, I'll get out and go fucking participate. Um, it's all, yeah. So I'm doing, I guess. Um, so, all it, right. Yeah. Where, where, are you, where are you at? Give me a, give me like a, a one minute synopsis of kind of like what the, how are you feeling with the new transition to a new president? Like, are you feeling like anything's going to change? Are we going to, we going to finally reel this stuff in? Are you pop? Are you, are you optimistic, pessimistic? Where, where is your organization at with, with the new administration at this point? I mean, we are always optimistic. Um, do you worry we, about the administration really, or do you worry more about the, the local politicians or the. No, the, I mean, it, this is, this is not a local politician issue, right? right. I mean, um, uh, the signals that are coming out even today, right. Of the administration indicate that they do not plan to adhere to the terms of the Doha agreement, which was the peace slash withdrawal treaty signed by some of the senior Taliban guys, the, uh, uh, government, Afghanistan government, and the U.S. government. Um, essentially, I think the, the withdrawal date is like May 1st. Uh, and I think today, um, uh, I think it was like a Vox piece, which is like a grain of salt kind of thing. But um, I mean, the fact of the matter is the Biden administration has not talked about Afghanistan or the Doha agreement in any of its foreign policy, military briefings, like they just haven't really been talking about it. That's not, I don't think that's a good sign. I would encourage people. Um, I would encourage people to apply pressure uh, because that's the only thing that's going to change these people's minds. Right. Like, yeah. like ignoring it is why we are at the place that we are still. I'm encouraging people to reach out to their party folks. So if you're a Democrat, dude, reach out to your Democrats. If you're a Republican, reach out to your Republicans. All of these people need convincing because none of these people are particularly interested in 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 radical change, right? Um, but at the end of the day, do we just pass our first year in 20 years of warfare with zero American casualties, right? Does that, that help that's or a, so you know what, man? Like to me, I'm like, well, this is a this is personally, I think as a guy, and you've been there at the same time. We have watched Afghan militia, Taliban militia peace agreements fall apart over and over again. This is the first time that they came to the table in good faith and that they have worked. I mean, they're it's a factionalized force. Right. So they have put in a lot of work to keep their various factions from attacking Americans in their country. And. If we if we are the ones who renege on that agreement, the bloodshed that follows is is going is going to affect is going to affect us, right? It's U.S. Yeah. service members are going to die, and they're never going to come back to the table again. I mean, it took seventeen years to get them to come to the table in good faith. When you're at the point where the Afghan where the where the Taliban is like, this can't go on anymore. Um we can't be the ones who renege on this man. Uh, we can't be the, we can't be the ones that, that are at fault, you know, and, and, and then like, okay, well, well, the, the country's exploded in violence and a bunch of Americans have been killed or injured. So one more surge, one more pivot, one more paradigm shift. Um, and, and, and we'll be there forever. And now, you know, you were talking about, man, you were talking about, um, you were talking about kids coming in 
who were oh, born yeah. well after all after this. That's all, all, yeah. The, the greatest danger here is that the entire generation of folks entering the U.S. military, this is normal. This has been their entire life. They have never known anything but perpetual war. And or they and have no idea what's going on. <laughs> dude, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it's been forever. It's dogma, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 if and if dude, if we don't if we don't handle this, like eventually it's gonna be us and it's gonna be people our age. It's gonna be three generations of people who have lived through yeah. perpetual war because we've always been there. Which is and that's why, why we're there, because we've always been there. Yeah. And it's also why I hate these stupid little fluff pieces in pick a branch times on like dad and sons or dad and daughter serve together and like that's oh. not a fucking thing to celebrate that's stupid yeah and because i i have a daughter who's coming up yep. you know 15 now is she 15 i think she's 15 yeah yeah she's fucking 15 15 right and i already know that it is an option and I, I don't think she'll end up in the military but if she does like how dumb would it be for my daughter to go to afghanistan and it's highly possible because that's only three, four years from now. Very possible, right? I, I would think it, really and, and you know, like I said, the, these pick a branch times will write a story about, oh, look, great. That, that's not great. That's stupid. That's dumb. I mean, do you know, you know, the people that I meet that are the most opposed to, um, to, to the withdrawal? It's, it's, like, it's like two types of people, man. Uh, is currently commissioned officers. Because mm, they want to get their little patch. Promote ahead of peers, big baby. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and hey, um, let, me, let me hop on a transport plane so I can spend 72 hours in country. Right. In, a combat, and, patch, uh, combat patch, bro. What up? And, and infantry guys who have not deployed, which like. So the entire I Marine Corps. You <laughs> uh, <laughs> Got him. Guys Woo! Cars, Got that in there. Guys cars. <laughs> guys Got him. cars, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but like, and you know, like, and I, and I, I get, I mean, I was a, I'm a, I'm an ultra pogue, but like, I get yeah. it. Right. Like that, that was the reason that I joined was to go fight. And yeah. I, you know, the thing I try to articulate to these folks is like, war is not going to go away because we decide that this one yeah. is not worth dying for anymore. Yep. That's war is always going to be there. There's Keep always going to be disasters and conflicts and coups and nonsense all around that where, where everybody says, please America come help. Right. Yeah. Um, the only country on speed though. Remember that. Right. Exactly. For now those conflicts are going to come. You'll get your car or your cab or your CIB or your whatever the air force has. Um, you're going to get those things, man. <laughs> um, air metal. I don't know. Hey, dude. I, I don't know. They uh, you know army. they should have just stayed a part of the army whatever yeah make make the air force the army air corps again um <laughs> was not there's a, a better cause you know what you have a better chance of maybe getting that than ending the endless wars maybe maybe that should <laughs> maybe you need to pivot pivot causes space force I, yeah we're pivoting <laughs> to space now so like oh maybe maybe space will be See, expensive did, enough that's that, another thing do you remember so you did poli sci did you ever do a class on space law <laughs> no no so no i did this was a legit class it was called space but i did Law. watch moonraker oh cool so you're basically there um but no like there was a treaty i remember reading about called unusa or unosa or something it's basically it states like what countries can do on the moon for example and in space and if you remember like 2012 when uh, newt gingrich was running for president he's like i'm gonna build a base on the moon and i was just remember 
you can't do that. Like it says in the, it says specifically, you can't do anything in space, essentially. Like no yeah, country. Yeah, but what's somebody going to do unless they have a moon fob, bro? Yeah, nobody, no country can do any sort of military operations in space, essentially. And then that's why, like when the Space Force came about, I was like, how, wait, how do we do that? I don't, I didn't, whatever. But anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, we, Space we have, Force we have a, ASU. We have a long way to go, something. man. Um, and and there, I mean, and I think like we can also highlight that there are a lot of serious issues that the DOD needs to address. That that this forever conflict essentially gives them an, you know, gives them an out on right. Like we uh, are struggling to address uh, suicides. We're struggling to address toxic yeah. commands. We're struggling to address uh, military sexual trauma. Right. Like, like, you know, these are all things that we keep having stand downs on. And for anyone who doesn't know anything about the military, safety stand down is what commanders do when they have no idea or no interest in solving a problem. (laughs) It's 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 pressing the pause button because your mom is screaming at you from the other room. And you're like, I'm just going to leave the Legend of Zelda on pause for a minute. I'm going to go have a conversation about how I'm very bad. I'm a terrible person and I'm going to get better. And then you go back to playing Zelda because you um, that's, that's it. You just, you know, there's no other solution, man. That's like, I mean, these safety stand downs, it's just like every time, man, every time there's something horrific that happens, right. It's like, we're going to have a safety stand down, dude. And I'm a, I'm a guy who had, you know, like I had mil- uh, female troops pretty much the whole time I was in. Um, and there's just there's so much stuff that has to be fixed with you know from the unit from unit levels all the way up to defense procurement spending um you know my man my man ike eisenhower ike uh big ike. last um, five star in charge right the business last five uh, star i believe right yeah yeah, yeah. uh okay. you know he talked about how he really like that guy probably in a couple of speeches covered all the things that that, that that CVA like works on, right? You know, like um, a, a military that's a military that's driven by industries and conflicts um, uh, in a country that you know depends on our ability to pro- uh, to spend money to project force. Like like this, these things can't continue forever because they they undermine our national security um, in a huge way. I just. At the end of the day, dude, if we have a brush with somebody, you know, with like a military like China, right? If there's some sort of thing like I want extremely well-trained, well-rested, well-equipped Navy SEALs doing UDT to sink a bunch of boats and to do their jam, right? Like, you know, you know, like, you know, like who I don't want to have to deal with that? A bunch of like Navy SEALs on their 15th combat tour um, doing, doing, you know, doing like the Green Beret light thing on their sixth marriage and, you know, like with like, you know, addiction problems and all these, all these, you know, TBIs and all this stuff, man, we are exhausting our most irreplaceable resource, which is our exceptional people. Like, like Raytheon can't replace that shit, man. Exactly. Yeah. Human capital. And it's, 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 uh, it's not, it's not infinite. It's finite. No. And, and the soft community itself, you know, is, is particularly in the last 10 years has, has, has bared the brunt of, of a yeah. lot of these like I mean we go back to like Joe man. Joe Kent right retired 11, Dude, 11 deployments 11 tours in his 20 I mean, years <laughs> you have two guys i think they were both ranger bat dudes yeah two guys who uh who were killed with you know 14 combat tours man 
Yeah. I mean, like I went to drill sergeant school with, with four Rangers who all served together multiple times. And I remember one of them, this dude, he, uh, he had done seven deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq. And I yeah. remember asking him like, why'd you get out and come, come do this show? He's like, yo, bro, your time's up eventually. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, and it's true. We go back to fight club on a long enough timeline. Everyone's survivability rate was reduced to zero. All right. Yeah, man. That's true. Um, no, you're right, Sam. And I, I appreciate Dude, I, and that's, I always tell, you know, it's so weird. Cause like, I, I mean, I got like, I got three tours, right. Yeah. And I, like, I feel like a piece because I know dudes with like, with like five, six, nine, um, it's crazy, man. It's, and it's crazy. And, and they're fine. And, yeah. but then there's those that aren't, but you, you wonder why. Well, Sure. You spent half of your military career deployed. It wasn't supposed to yeah. be that way. No, nope. like as you've as you've said multiple times, I think tonight, like war is supposed to be. It's not your anti-war. War is supposed to be the last possible outcome, right? Or the last possible yeah. solution is supposed to be let's go to war. And, and when you uh, have to go, you go all out. Yeah. You right. You arrive violently. You to, yeah. You <laughs> you go you to accomplish, win. You you accomplish the motherfucking mission. And you know what the thing is, man. Our guys and gals on the ground accomplish everything outlined in the 2001 AUMF really in the first like six months. Now, if you, even if yeah. you stretch that as you, even if we call Ben Clack and bin Laden, a stretch goal, right? Like we're like, yeah, but it doesn't really count until they, they torpedoed that dude. Um, by 12, or was it 12? They killed him. I think it was 11, 11 or 12, 11. Right. Yeah. So, so, so then that should have been it. Should have been right. That, no. should, that should have been the, the the the, vic, the victory yeah. dance the the pack it up you know ladies and gentlemen we got them let's go uh, let's wrap go, it up let's, B. let's go. go wrap that shit up b but it, it right right so anyway. so hey um, listen i any anybody who's 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 still hung in this long uh they better have uh, fuck they better have check out uh you know www.cv4a.org dude sign our petition our petition system, man, we generate four rounds on target for every signee, man. We're going to hit up your, we're going to send a letter or an email to your congressman or woman, both your senators and the president of the United States. We sent 700,000 letters to President Trump uh, when it became clear that, that troops were not actually leaving Afghanistan. Um, and I don't know, man, the guy fired uh, the, the defense sec that was slow rolling that thing. And, and he, I mean, obviously it was too little too late at that point, but, but mm -hmm. the, I say that to indicate that these tools work, but they require participation, much like our fantastic democracy, right? Like uh, <laughs> they require participation, dude. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would encourage everyone, man, call your reps, call your senators. If you don't have the time to do that, that's fine. Life's fucking hard and complicated, but you can sign our petition at Concerned Veterans for America. Um, you can sign our petition. Thing. That's all you got to do. And Just sign it. That's it. Dude, we will yeah, do the yeah, work yeah, to get them there. Point and click, point, click and ship, right? That's what everybody wants to do. Fucking point We'll do the click. work to get them there. And then we will go and talk to those people uh, multiple times. We'll talk to them in their districts. We'll talk to them in DC and we will press them on these things until we get some change, man. And, and we're an organization that that's, that's here for the long term, man. We're going to, we're going to fight right this answer. thing. Good. We're going to fight this thing until we see it through uh, much like, much like VA healthcare reforms. You know, we've accomplished things that everyone has said were impossible with these simple tools and participation. So th for, with that, I'm optimistic, right? Because, you know, dude, people said v major VA reforms were impossible. They just, they couldn't be done. Too many, too many VSOs invested in the VA forking over cash for programming Too, you know, the largest agency labor union of any, of any org, like they're like, this is not going to happen. 
Um, and, and, and we fought that fight over almost eight years and, and were successful. So uh, check us out. We're in 12 different states. Uh, please don't ask me to name them because I'm sure I'll miss one and you know, offend somebody. But uh, please but name know, all 12. Go. Right. No, just no, don't do oh, really? Name five. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, you know, <laughs> but but uh, our, our network, our, our philanthropic network that we're a part of covers like, you know, 30, 38 states or something like that. So awesome. and no matter where you're at, man, it's the it's the era of remote participation. So, like, yeah. please reach out. I'll connect you to the nearest the nearest, you know, chapter you know, you can get involved in what they're working on. Um, anyone who's looking for a, a righteous fight to get on board with, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you in play. There you go. That's the right answer. That's real Sam Rogers on Twitter. If you need him, Sam Rogers from concerned vets for America, the Milwaukee, Wisconsin chapter. He drinks new fashions with white monster. <laughs> he is a green Bay Packers fan, but we do not hold that against him. However, <laughs> in Mitch, we trust bear down and we'll see you next week. Thanks you, Sam, for joining us. My big man. Thanks hey, brother. Had a boy drink that up. Here we go. We're out of here. There will be bourbon.